Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you've found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Welcome to Ask the Trucker Live. I'm Donna Smith, and I host the Thursday evening shows while Alan's at work. And as most know, Alan does show, uh, host the Saturday evening shows. Next um, Saturday, Joe will be a, um, a week from this Saturday, we'll have an open forum, and we'll be highlighting a lot of the issues going on within the industry, uh, one of them being HR 5948 and the other H- HR 5949 which is the Small Carrier Electronic Logging Device Exemption Act of 2018. Um, We'll also be talking about the preemption of California meal and rest breaks uh, and the ATA, how they defeated drivers um, in the FMCSA petition and how the Teamsters are fighting that in court. So our show tonight, though, is the Supreme Court win for independent truckers carrier forced arbitration and our call in number to ask questions or to share your own experiences is 347-826-9170 in case you're listening from the internet and I want to tell you I'm really happy I'm looking at the boards and it's filling up and it's really funny because when you get on these shows you're 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 always worried that there's not going to be anybody on the board and so when you see them all coming on um it's really a good feeling, so thanks a lot, everybody. Uh, tonight, I'd like to welcome uh, my friend and veteran driver and president of Real Women in Trucking, who's helping me co-host tonight, Desiree Wood. Um, hi, Desiree. Thanks for being on here tonight. I know you're really busy with, with all your business and advocacy and, and everything you do. So, uh, uh, Hi, Donna. Your- thanks for having me on. Thank well, you. Well, you know, you yeah, you were you were um you wrote part of an amicus uh brief for, for this, didn't you? <clears throat> yes. Um um Real Women in Trucking supplied testimony in support of Dominic and um and the misclassification and and all and we were we were very happy to help um you know, coincidentally public justice Jennifer Bennett who represented him and spoke at the Supreme Court was also our representation in unsealing the document in the CRST sex harassment case that we Which were I wanna, able to I, obtain. I know. I want to get into that after the show. Um, I, I thought we might touch on that a little also with a little bit of open forum. Um, Dominic will still be on the line, but I know Jennifer's pressed for time. So, yes. Um, yeah, I want to welcome uh, uh, our guest tonight also, 
Attorney Jennifer Bennett of Public Justice and Trucker uh, Dominic Oliveira, who who really pretty much dared to defy the trucking industry by claiming his right to go to court and not be forced into private and secretive arbitration talks, which is the industry standard. So our show is about the Supreme Court decision made on January 15th, which has become a profound victory for truckers, specifically um, independent contractors. And it really just started out as an FLSA lawsuit in a district court, and it ended up in the Supreme Court. Who would have thought that? Not only that, it was a victory with an 8-0 to decision. I, I mean, that means that... Um, Ginsburg and Gorsuch were on the same side. Who who would have thought that? <laughs> yeah. So, right? So that was mm-hmm. a huge and it probably would have been nine to zero, but um uh Kavanaugh couldn't couldn't you know, he wasn't confirmed yet when this whole thing was going on. So anyway, um I, I really want to give a little background because there's a lot of dots that need to be co- connected. Um you know, to follow the importance and understand the importance of this Supreme Court decision. And um, Desiree, you know, feel free, you know, any time during it to, you know, hop in if I'm, you know, you want to add to something. But um, mm-hmm. Dominic is, is with us tonight, and he's going to fill in a lot of these blanks too. And he did file a class ed- action against Prime in a district court alleging that Prime violates the, the Fair Labor Standards Act as uh, well as Missouri minimum wage statute. And um, he had entered a, a truck lease agreement, which so many drivers do, with Prime shortly after completing his training and was then labeled an independent contractor by Prime and signed a contract specifying that the relationship between the parties was that of carrier and independent and not of, as an employee. Uh, which and the contract contained this arbitration clause under which the parties agreed to arbitrate rather than go to court. And this clause has, you know, been supported by the 1925 Federal Arbitration Act, known as FAA, and it means that um, it means that Prime contested that because the FAA law that Dominic and he signed this um, clause his class action should be thrown out of court and forced into private those little secret arbitration talks between just him and New Prime. However, Dominic also claimed in his lawsuit that he was misclassified as an independent contractor but was treated like an employee. Therefore, forced arbitration should not apply to his case as employees are not bound to the Arbitration Act. So, uh how did how did this case involving misclassification and failing to pay minimum wage end up in the Supreme Court well on, a, on January 15th um the Supreme Court based on section 1 of the Federal Arbitration Act stated all transportation workers are exempt not just the employees okay so according to to Scotus whether Dominic was labeled an employee or an independent contractor was no longer the issue, since they're all exempt from forced arbitration. So mm-hmm. it read, which which I think really changed the whole ball game of it. And you know the Supreme Court ruled that trucking 
company New Prime cannot compel arbitration in a class action alleging that it failed to pay, you know, independent uh, trucker apprentice and proper minimum wage, saying Congress meant to exempt all transportation workers. And and here's what what the key is, and and personally I don't understand why it wasn't interpreted this way a long time before it made it to the Supreme Court, because here's what it says in the FAA exemption that the act does not apply to contracts of employment of seamen, railroad employees, or any other class of workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce, period. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's plain as day, right? Uh, right. Basically, that Dominic can now move forward with his original case that, that he went to court with, uh, against New Prime with his misclassification and violating the Fair Library Standards Act along with minimum wage. And for every other trucker who has been in a similar situation, this is really a huge win now. You you can you can mm-hmm. go to court. So with us mm-hmm. tonight, we're honored to have um, Dominic's attorney who gave the oral argument, Jennifer Bennett of uh, uh, Public Justice and like I said, she represented Dominic as, as she made her oral argument to the Supreme Court um, because New Prime made their case against Dominic, stating that he should be forced into arbitration, and, you know, that it didn't end up that way. Uh, her, her practice involves uh, a very wide range of issues, including civil rights, workers' rights, consumer protection, court secrecy, forced arbitration, and um, uh, uh, Ms. Bennett uh, earned her JD from Yale Law School and her BA summa cum laude from Yale University. So we're going to hear some more details about all the court decisions and much more during the show. So sit tight. Uh, we'll be right back after word from Lone Mountain Truck. And by the way, this show tonight confirms what Alan's been saying for 12 years now, you know, when we started online, I don't know if it's 12, 13, I, I lose track, but he's been saying stay away from carrier truck leases and get your truck from an honest, reputable, and proven company like Lone Mountain. And we are very proud to have it. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey, everybody. Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. 
This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and uh, you're listening to Ask the Trucker Live, and tonight's show is about the Supreme Court win uh, for truckers ending uh, forced arbitration and what it means to truckers in the future. I'm Donna Smith and co-host Desiree Wood and guest Jennifer Bennett and Dominic Oliveira. And I want to break I, – I know I sound like I'm rushing, but I know um, Jennifer is so – oh, let me open her line. That would be nice if I opened her line up. Okay. can get it open okay well anyway uh <laughs> jennifer um is gave her oral argument to the court and she's very limited like i said on time so we'll get right with her welcome back jennifer i think your line is open i'm so grateful that you could come on tonight thanks so much for having me yeah um well i know you're pressed so um i i just want to get right into it and and one mention I want to say, and I saw this on your website, that mm-hmm. um, there was a team effort, uh, Andy Schmidt of Andrew Schmidt Law and Hillary Schwab of Fair Work Law uh, mm-hmm. filed their case initially and continued to litigate it with public justice all the way up to the Supreme Court. And um, I just felt like you would want me to mention that also. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. Um, there's a lot of people who worked on this case. Yeah, so, you know, we we, we just felt like we, we needed to mention that. Now, um, first of all, can you discuss with us who is public justice and what do they do? And can anyone sure. bring a case to them or do cases have to be referred to them? That's my first question. Sure. So um, we're a nonprofit, and essentially uh, our goal is to uh, represent David fighting Goliath. So we bring high-impact lawsuits um, that fight for people like Dominic, um, for workers' rights and civil rights and consumer protection uh, against big corporations and the government. Uh, and the the way our um, case intake process works is we get cases from a lot of different places. If you think you have a case that's a good match, um, if you go on our website, which is publicjustice.net, there's a link at the top um, that says submit a case, and it has a bunch of information about the kinds of cases we take uh, and how to go about um, submitting a possible case for us. Okay, great. So you don't have to be referred. They can they can just submit it right on the website. Public yep, justice. Yep, there's a place to do it on the website. Okay, awesome. And um another question I wanted to ask you and, and by the way again, any it, Desiree, anytime you have a question you wanna ask, you know, and um Jennifer, if you wanna, you know, make a statement you feel is relevant, please just jump right in here. These are just the questions okay. that I put together. Um Okay. Uh, why did Dominic um, defy the system and go to court rather than accept the uh, arbitration that was kind of usual in the industry? Have other drivers tried this and been defeated? Um, you know anything about that? 
Yeah, so, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why workers um, and drivers benefit from going to court versus going to this private arbitration. And you talked about it a little bit in your opening. You know, when you go to court, you get a public trial and a public decision that's binding on everyone, and you can go as a group. So people like Dominic, who um, are in a position to take a stand and put their name on a lawsuit and um, can go to court on behalf of other people like him who maybe aren't in that position. You know, maybe people are afraid of retaliation or um, there's a situation where they, you know, there's lots of reasons people wouldn't be able to put their name on a lawsuit. And so court um, and class actions like Dominic's allow people to go and, um, you know, it allows a few people who have the courage or are in the position to do what Dominic did and stand up, to stand up not just for themselves, but for a whole bunch of other people as well. Um, and I think that's one of the things that was important to Dominic. I mean, he's here, so I'll let him speak for himself. I, well, but I think you know that what? is one of the um, things. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking on the line, and I'm not sure. I'm trying to find him here. Um, let me see. Hold on one second. I know that he was sharing on uh, social media because I just saw it a moment <laughs> ago. Okay. I, I think I found You know, there's a ton of people on here tonight. Okay, I got him. I found him. You, did you find him? He's got area yes. code 270. Yes. yes, I sure did. And I'm trying to click him open. Oh, there he there is. There we go. Hey, Dominic, I'm really <laughs> hey, sorry Dominic. I couldn't find you with all these, with, with everybody on the line tonight. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, thank you so for having me. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Desiree. Hi. Yes. So can you answer? Um, she said, let Dominic answer that. <laughs> I was I was saying well, uh, that, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it was never about the money. Um, it was about making sure other drivers uh, don't go through what I went through. I want I want a brighter future for these drivers because they're getting conned, and that con's hurting them financially. It's hurting their families. It, it's hurting everything within their lives. And I, I, I didn't totally want to see another agree. driver go through those. Well, you know, we were talking the other night, and and that. We were talking about justice and how important it is to take a stand, even if you don't win. You know, you got. So um, I know that's a 100% fact of you know why you did this. Did anybody tell you not to do it while you? Um, oh, everybody. You know, okay. <laughs> and what? What were the? What were the reasons they said don't do it? I mean, who said it it's and been, why? It's never going to go anywhere. I heard from. Uh, many prime drivers themselves. Um, I heard from uh, owner operators that I'd bump into when I was uh, frustrated and down and out uh, saying, yeah, yeah, you were just another victim of the system. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I, I mean, there, there was so many times, you know, people tried to try to discourage me, but I wasn't letting it get to me. Well, you know, I want to just ask you, too, I mean, did the lawyers, you opened this in Massachusetts, am I correct, That your initial case? Uh, yeah, the initial court case is out of Massachusetts. And that was with the um, 
and Andrew Schmidt Law. Yeah, uh, Andy. Andy is uh, actually out of um, Portland, Maine. Okay, but I'm just saying, did he say, "Hey, you know, this isn't a good idea," or was he gun ho and said, "Yeah, come on, let's do it. We can beat this." Well, Andy had a little bit of his hesitance on some stuff, but he he was uh, he was pretty positive about. I think we really got something here. All right. I think we really right. have well, something. You know, well, it's opened the doors. I mean, the decision itself to allow people to go to court has really opened the, the, the doors. Um, so are, are we saying then that nobody ever tried to do this, or have they been defeated uh, when they tried? Um, so people had tried to do this before, um, and there were lots of courts. Um, that had said, you know, you, the federal law that companies are trying to use to force people into arbitration. There were lots of courts that said that that law only exempts drivers if they are actually employees. And so then the drivers would have to go and prove what they were before they could even start to bring their claims. Um, and what this decision says is, no, that's wrong. You don't have to do that. The law doesn't apply to any transportation worker, regardless of how they're classified. So you don't have to go through this rigmarole of having to prove that they've uh, misclassified you before you can get into court in the first place. Okay. And, uh, you know, I just wonder, because um, why this court in particular decided, well, he, he they also said that, um, what, well, let's just say, what did the district court say? What was their ruling at where it was um, appealed by Prime? So the district court said what a bunch of others, so the district court is the trial court. It's the first court that the case went to. And the district court said what a bunch of other courts have said, which is um, this federal law that companies are using to force drivers into arbitration. It said that this law exempts some drivers, but it only exempts drivers that are labeled employees because the language is um, it exempts contracts of employment. And that's the ruling. Um, and what the trial court said is, so we need to figure out whether Dominic is an employee or not before I can figure out whether this exemption applies. So that's what Prime appealed. Um, and like a bunch of, you know, like all of the other courts really that had considered the issue, um, the trial court here and, the, you know, the other courts that looked at it hadn't really you know, they just assumed with modern ears that what it means to have a contract of employment uh, is that you are an employee. Uh, but it turns out that that's actually not what those words mean and not what those words certainly meant at the time the law was passed. And so when Prime appealed, the First Circuit, which is the Court of Appeal, the sort of middle court that heard this case, uh, uh-huh. said, oh, actually if you look at what these words actually meant, it may meant to exempt all transportation workers and it doesn't matter how you're labeled. And that's also what the Supreme court held. And, and is that the first court that ever stated that? Um, there have, there were before this case, there were a few other cases um, that we had done in, you know, California trial courts that had held that, but it's the first sort of published decision um that says that, yeah. Okay. And, um, well, let, let's talk about how this decision um, will affect drivers in the future. Uh, besides carrier 
lease contracts, um, drivers involved in those, um, the misclassifications, and what other types of cases can now be brought to court which weren't allowed before because of the Federal Arbitration Act? So it'll vary, uh, likely vary a bit by what state the case is in. Um, so what this case, what the Supreme Court case did is it got rid of the federal law, um, but states have laws too about arbitration and what those are vary. Um, but in a lot of cases, it means like, it means that a lot of cases involving transportation workers um, and truck drivers specifically will be able to go to court. So not just misclassification cases, but any kind of employment cases. Um, so sexual harassment cases, for example, um, is I think an important category of cases. Uh, the failure to pay wages, even if you're properly classified as an employee. So, and the whole range of employment cases, um, now there's at least, you know, some chunk of those will be able to go to court when they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Okay. Um, okay. Well, let me let me just check my notes here. Um, when I I want to ask a question. What we've seen since the case got um, a decision is a lot of the media. We've had very little trucking media that's explained it to other drivers like prime drivers that are misclassified like Dominic who are maybe having some problems right now and we're kind of on the fence of like what could I do um, we know a couple fleets like CR England, CRST um, their business model is, is very much the same as Prime except that they don't have the brand new trucks there's a lot of drivers that don't really know how this applies to them but we've seen a lot of mainstream media frame it as it, it's really a win for port drivers. What can we say to these over-the-road drivers that are kind of a bigger audience for Alan and Donna's show? What what kind of action could they take right now if they're, like, at the breaking point with these carriers and they, they're like, you know, I'm not making any money and I'm – and I'm I'm paying to work here, and I want to do something. What should they do? What could they do? Yeah, so there's um, a whole range of options. So in answer to your first question, you talked about port truck drivers, and I think this is a win for port truck drivers, but I think it's equally a win for, you know, over-the-road drivers. Um, it's, a, you know, an equal win, I think, for all truck drivers. Um, and so I, I know a lot of the coverage has been at the ports, but it's true for everyone. Um, and, you know, what this does is it allows more people to band together, you know, like Dominic, um, and stand up and represent uh, themselves and drivers like them in court. And so um, it gives people more options for being able to bring, bring their cases. Um, and, you know, if people think they have cases, they can certainly uh, talk to lawyers about, about those cases, and I think it makes it you know, easier. For, it will make it hopefully easier for people to get lawyers to represent them in those cases uh, and easier for people to be able to um, bring their claims in court. Would they approach it as, I'm a misclassified driver, and, and be looking for the type of lawyer that, that represents a misclassified driver? and wait for the question to say, well, they want to put you, force you into arbitration, and you say, no, there was just a ruling on that. Is that kind of how you would approach it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on the situation, but that is, you know, often how these cases go, um, is that people file their claims in court, and then the company may or may not try to force them into arbitration, depending on, you know, what their clause says, and whether they have an arbitration clause, and whether they're aware of the Supreme Court ruling, you know, and a whole bunch of other things. And then that's when, um, that's when we can fight back and say, you know, no, you can't actually force this claim into arbitration. Um, there's a right to go to court here. Okay. So awareness of, of, of this case is important um, when you try to proceed in a misclassification. And it doesn't have to be related to a, um, a lease truck, but it could be we had a gal recently who she answered an ad for a company driver job, but when it came time to get her paycheck, they paid her on a 1099. They booked her loads. It was their truck. When she had an accident that was rather serious and she needed medical help, they said, no, you're, you're not covered. You're, you're independent contractor. And um, she was um, trying to get a lawyer to um, represent her as a misclassified worker. And they told mm-hmm. her she had to go to arbitration. Um, hmm. She simply sent them the article about Dominic's pending case after your argument, but before the ruling. And um, the lawyer called her from his vacation <laughs> and said, you're going to get money. They're, they're not going to wow. make you arbitrate. So <laughs> that's, you know, like that's how a lot of these drivers, they need to educate themselves and be proactive because you can't take it in. You can't assume that people know all the laws. You got to, you know, all the stuff is new. And right. I, I believe that the trucking industry is going to work day and night to figure out how to put the kibosh on this. Um, so if, if it's your intention to take action, you should do it very quickly. <laughs> well, well, you mentioned, uh, Jennifer, that there's still state laws. So federal law doesn't preempt state law? So federal law does preempt state law um, in this area, but then once the federal law doesn't apply anymore, so here the federal law, arbitration law doesn't apply anymore, then the state laws are not preempted. Um, But many states have good law that will be relevant here. So, um, you know, Arizona, for example, has an exemption for employment. Um, They just don't enforce arbitration contracts between employers and employees. California gives you a right to go to the labor commissioner in certain circumstances. There are um, states where, you know, they it's not enforceable in, you know, a lot of cases for uh, what the companies like to do is say, you know, you can't bring a class action. You have to go one-on-one. Um, and so you can't have people like Dominic stand up for all of you. Each of you has to go by yourself. And there are states in which that's not going to be enforceable. Um, and so there are, you know, it, it will vary a lot state by state, but there's a lot of good state law out there um, that will be really helpful uh, okay. and, you know, help a lot of people get into court. Any states off the top of your head that would be difficult? 
You know, that's a good question. I not off the top of my head. I mean, I, there are you know some that'll be more difficult than others, and some that are just waiting for people to make good law. Um, okay, I was just curious about that. Now, yeah. I know um, I don't want to take advantage. I know you don't you don't have a lot of time. Um, I have one person here. Actually, I have a couple of people with their hand up, but one fella um, in particular um, that I spoke to, you know, while while we were on the show privately, um, wanted to ask a question. Are you available to take that? or? Sure, I can question? take one more. Okay. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hello. Hello. Hello, Brian. Sorry. You there? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, okay. I am a truck driver by trade, and I had a friend of mine say, hey, you're going to want to get on this call, because he was explaining it to me. Now, I am a student of law, and I'm working towards getting my JD. I'm a little concerned over this case, no offense to Dominic, because I have got to go to Westlaw and look this case up later. I actually use Westlaw privately. Um, I know a recent case I found out about where arbitration actually helped some guys out, but the arbitration was against the United States, and they locked the United States into a contract. And they are trying to figure out how to change the rules. Could a case like this open the door to changing those rules? Uh, so I don't. Uh, it shouldn't. Um, so a few. So this case doesn't prevent anybody from going to arbitration. If you know both sides want to go to arbitration, they absolutely still can. What this case says is that you can't use a specific federal law to enforce the clauses that um, trucking companies and other transportation companies are using to force people as a condition of their employment to agree to arbitration. Um, So it's a very specific exemption um, in this federal law that says you can't force people to do this. You you can't force this category of workers. You can't force transportation workers to go to arbitration. It shouldn't have, you know, an impact on a good decision that somebody already got in arbitration, um, that it, it shouldn't have any impact on that. That I can tell. Does yeah, that answer I, I, your question? That was, well, that was that was really my concern because there were some guys. Uh, it's a, the Stark case, is what I call it. They actually sent a contract to the attorney general's office over a matter, and uh, Eric Holder had to resign over this because he didn't even review the contract. And it went, ended up going through Congress and the federal court to be approved. And the United States had to pay them. And shortly after that, they tried to pass a law to change the Federal Arbitration Act to prevent this from happening again. And Trump vetoed that. And then when I heard about this case, I said, is, this, is a situation like this is how they're going to change the rules on federal arbitration. That was my big concern. So Got it. I'm glad because I, being I'm studying law, I, I'm 
I help drivers given documents they need to fight cases, stuff like that. If they're out there willing to learn, I help them learn. Well, God That's bless great. you. That's great. Which, so was your question answered? Did, did you want to, you have a follow-up on it? Yeah, she says she doesn't think it would hurt that area, but I know I know a little bit how the courts operate. They They like making rulings, so down the road it opens doors to change things. Sure. Okay. Well, thanks so much for calling in and listening, uh, uh, Brian. Um, so, Jennifer, um, yes. I want to thank you for coming on. I'm not going to take advantage, even though I want to. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, appreciate you coming back. We had um, in November you were on, and this was after the oral argument, but before the decision. So people yes. can listen to that show um, also. But thanks so much for coming on tonight. And um, so much for, for all the great me. work you do and public justice does. And by the way, for people who want to um, read about this, I think the SCOTUS blog um, has everything about this case right on there, right? What is it, scotusblog.com? Yep. Or what is the URL on that? Uh, yeah, I think SCOTUS blog is scotusblog.com. Yeah, so uh-huh. you can read all about this. Also, especially Brian, who would probably be very interested in reading all the amicus briefs and all the court hearings. Um, he'll have a ball with this. Um, so <laughs> thanks again. <laughs> thanks again, Jennifer. Thanks so much for having me. It was great talking with you all. Okay, thank Bye, you. Bye, Jennifer. Bye, Desiree. <laughs> Bye, Dominic. Bye, bye. <laughs> okay. okay, well, really grateful and appreciate that caller um, calling in and um, asking that question. And uh, let's see. Well, we already brought up your brief, um, Desiree, and how you supported Dominic um, in, in the Supreme Court during with your input. And so... Uh, Dominic, welcome, and, and man, you must be, this must be an incredible experience for you. I mean, I mean, Alan and I got to meet you at GAT, so just tell everybody that. We had dinner together, De- uh, Desiree right. was there, and oh, it was we had a, bunch a great of fun. time. Oh, it was, it was wo- wonderful, and, and uh, the people at Road Pro were there, and it was great. Um so let, let's just give people an introduction to who you are if they didn't listen to the first show. Um, you got into uh, – you started in the moving business like Alan did and then became yes. a diesel mechanic, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I uh, was working as a mover, and then I went back to school for diesel and industrial technology. And – I kind of just got tired of having a driver over my shoulder saying, hurry up. (laughs) Yeah. But I can totally understand now why he was over my shoulder. (laughs) Um, I went back to the moving industry, um, and I was a packer uh, most of the time, and um, they wanted me to get my Class A. I'd been with that agency for quite a number of years on and off, and uh, they asked me to get my permit. When it came time to teach me how to drive the truck, I heard the uh, pretty common term, 
oh, you're too good of a packer. We can't lose you to the road. <laughs> you you want to hear um, a funny story about that, Dominic? One second. When we had when we yeah. owned our business, Alan took mm-hmm. me on one pack one pack job. Okay, and that's all that's all that ever happened. And he said, he looked at me and he said, you know what? You're probably better off in the office. Okay, I just had a <laughs> You know, I loved it. I, uh, my body's taking a toll from it, uh, but I, I loved it. Um, but, you know, I really wanted to get into a truck. And um, I gave them the option. I told the company, you guys have two weeks to start training me or I'm leaving. And they laughed. Most people laugh when I try to tell them things. And they laughed and said, you won't do it. And uh, I walked in the next day with a bus ticket. To uh-huh. go to Prime for schooling. Oh wow! Um, uh, well, okay. So, um, well, before we go on, hey, how did you, Desiree? How did you and Dominic meet? Where'd you guys hook up? Um. Um. I don't know if it was because of the the mutual that we both had, Janet, uh, Jennifer um, Bennett for representation, or. What was it? I don't know. Did I call you or was, you called me? We were um we were on that uh three way call uh oh, for the why. New York Times. That's right. That's right. Yeah. The New York Times wanted to do an interview with us and we were on a conference call all three of us together. And I think after the New York Times thing we exchanged phone numbers or something. And started what was talking. the New York Times interview about? It was about the, the Supreme Court case and and being misclassified and you okay. know when was it was like like in the fall or something like that or the uh, end of summer. And it I knew, was about end of summer. Yeah, and I I knew a little bit about um, the the case, but I didn't know who Dominic was exactly, and I. You know, t- hearing him on the phone and knowing that he, like, had taken this on by himself, he didn't know about any of the other groups. Um, he wasn't involved in any of the other things going on. And I personally could relate to how lonely it is when you're, like, taking on this one cause and everybody's, like, a naysayer or they're just sitting there in the wings waiting for you to fail. And I was, you know, I could totally, um, totally relate to what he was going through because he's trying to do something for all these other drivers. And a lot of times it falls on deaf ears or people are like, you know, you shouldn't do that or, you know, they don't get it. It goes over their head. Um, But it's a very lonely place to be as well. Um, There's very few that understand um, that. it's not about the money. It's about the principle. And um, that's definitely the type of person I like to be around. <laughs> so right. I I really wanted to hear uh, more from Dominic. And I said, you should come to Gap and meet us and hang out. And, um, you know, because he'd been kind of going this lonely road all by himself. And, you know, oh, wanted him to know there's other people out there. Yeah. yeah, I had no clue how many different groups there were. 
and uh, yeah, everything know. everyone was trying to fight for. Oh, yeah, I, I find out more and more every day. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, for everybody on the line listening, and I forgot to say this in the beginning of the show, if you want to ask a question or share your experience, click 1 on your keypad. It raises your hand so that I know you want to ask a question, and I forgot to say that. And for everybody listening on the Internet right now, if you want to call in and be a part of the show, uh, dial 347-826-9170. We still have a few um, uh, available slots open to, to listen through the phone. Okay, here a couple of hands came up. Um, Do I get that option too? I never got to raise my hand at school. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, before we, we continue on, uh, we want to hear all about your, your journey and what made you pick Prime and all like that. But um, let's answer a couple of these um, these callers. Hey, welcome on uh, hey. welcome on the show. Thank you. It's Kenny Capel. How is everybody tonight? And, How are you hey, doing? Kenny. Doing hey, Kenny. good. I, um, I know you're battle was interesting. I kind of went through the same thing over uh, drivers being woke up just to be shown ID to the police officer. So uh, yeah, I want to commend everybody. Kenny was on our show uh, about what? How many years ago was that over the um, being uh, woken like up? And yes. When yeah, was I think, it? I think it, was around, I think it was around 2014. Okay, yeah. Gosh, it seems like it's yesterday. It's been a few oh years back. Oh, my right? God. I can't believe it's that long ago. Oh, Lord. Um, but anyway, you won that battle uh, in court. But anyway, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I, I totally get where you're going. You know, my whole thing was is I wanted to make a change in the industry for everybody because it was an unfair thing to be, you know, have your sleeper time interrupted and then having to log that sleeper time and start your sleeper time all over, you know. And yeah. so I'm I'm right with you on doing it, you know, for the right reasons and not just for money, you know. I, I want to commend right. you for that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And this is, this is, this really, Desiree, this has really set such a precedent, um, for the industry itself, I mean, I, I bet you the um, carriers themselves must be pulling their hair out, right? I don't think that they've even really responded on their trying to figure this out because right now the most powerful thing is that most drivers don't even realize that they are misclassified or they are being taken advantage of or exploited, and the sooner they find out and want to do something about it, the carriers right now are sort of, (laughs) they knew this was coming. They knew this was coming for a long time. So we've been seeing this uh, PR uh, movement in the last two years before this happened of awards and, you know, giving the spotlight to certain drivers at prime hoping, you know, you you have to know the politics of this, um, Mm -hmm. cultivating friendships with certain drivers at prime, knowing that this was coming down the line, 
knowing that most of the prime drivers had no friggin' clue that this case was in the works. So by doing all these little PR stunts ahead of the curve and these awards and, and all of this kind of stuff, it's kind of a way to make it seem like they're such a nice, they're such a nice carrier. And then when this news comes, it it sort of eases the impact, so to speak. Um, But in a way it's, it's just as manipulative and devious because they were using people that had um, no information about how their fellow drivers were being exploited at the same time that they were being given very special treatment, sort of pitting one another, pitting each other against Mm -hmm. one another, you know, like, well, they've treated me really good. And and Dominic's very fair with Prime um, to say, you know, he did have a good training experience. He did, he has remained friends with a lot of people that he met there. Um, but once, you know, he went on and got his own truck and then he started seeing some of the practice practices and the pay and, you know, he was a trainer for a period of time and had some pretty good students that he, he felt were working hard enough that they deserved a raise. Um, and he wasn't allowed to, everything was dictated by prime. So how can you call me, um, you know, say that I'm independent when you're dictating everything that I can do. And um, it's so much more complicated. It's so easy for these carriers to always call you a disgruntled employee. That's what they did to me. That's what they did to Tom Hansen from CRST when he came forward. Um, They hope that you'll go away, that you'll get chased away. And and unfortunately, we have an industry where – we have a lot of drivers that will dog pile into a fight without knowing all the facts and it serves a purpose. If you can chase somebody away and uh, bully them and browbeat them from um, speaking out further, um, then you can't, you don't educate the, the greater population of drivers. So a lot of this kind of stuff gets, um, it's a huge victory, but very few drivers ever educate themselves on how it could apply to them, and they could take it to the next level and perhaps take it to the next level for a really large group of drivers and form a united front. Um, and that's kind of the sad thing to me. I think I shared an article this morning with Dominic on my Facebook page about how the insurance company, their kind of take on this case, now that they're kind of evaluating it, but they're seeing that the um, the carriers are they're silent right now. But as we know, they don't give up. They are formulating a new strategy to, um, you know, make they're looking m- for a new song and dance. Yeah, another scare tactic, so to speak, to kind of say, oh, this is this is going to go back on the consumers now, like this hysterical, you know, oh, now that they now that these poor carriers have lost this the Supreme Court case, now it's going to go on the consumers. Like, so I'm supposed to feel bad about that? You know, the, right. these drivers are being underpaid and they're being exploited and robbed every day. Yeah, the consumers should pay for it. 
Um, you know, a lot of people should pay for it. And as Dominic right, you know, hit the nail on the head, it, it's not affecting the CEO bonuses. Well, you know, I, I, I know this doesn't have anything to do with it, but um, I'm just wondering, uh, when we had that big tax cut for all the corporations and the, um, you know, the billionaires, and it was supposed to be given back to the um, employees in the form of higher wages. And I'm wondering when that's going to kick up or 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 is it? So that's just a little food for thought here talking about going on the consumer. But anyway, um I got to I'm going to open um uh a line up I have another another caller. Okay, I think we have Idella Hansen on the line. Yes, ma'am. Hello. How are you? Am I talking good? Uh, yeah. Yes. It's always Hi, good Adela. to hear from you. Hi. Hi, everybody. Well, hi, you know, I, hi, Dominic. I'm I'm so glad to hear you. I really am, I, and I'm so very very proud for you and all of us. You 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 really did us a solid. But I really think somebody said, well, what would you caution? everybody to do and the first thing that i would say unless you are a owner operator that has bought your truck outright or making payments to the bank or the finance company when they hand you 1099 you say whoa wait a minute there's something wrong with this because when they hand you a 1099 as a a a lease purchaser uh uh driver company driver all the company's trying to do is get out of paying their part of the taxes uh out of liability that is their liability and putting it on you and and, and and cheating you out of your rights. So I always say to anybody, if they say 1099, you say, no, 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 we got to talk about this. So the best thing for a lot of people, uh, for a lot of people right now is take your contract, take your experience and talk to an attorney. Honestly, you might not feel like you're misclassified, but your attorney might turn around and tell you you are big time and the company's reaping the benefits off of you. Yeah. Right. Well, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I just think you know, 1099 well, should be a red flag for everybody. It sure kind of should, should be. be. It really should be because it's such an easy way to screw employees, and it's not just in trucking. It's in many, mm-hmm. many other jobs um, that – Somebody hires you, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't have an education on on what all this is. And and some people say, well, I know I'm paying less taxes from my check. No, you're not. You're not. You are just not seeing where you're going to have to pay them later and that the company is probably going to be long gone out of your life before you realize how many thousands of dollars they screwed you out of. And you're going to have to pay it to the IRS in one way or another. I I actually knew a woman who was misclassified. She didn't know she took a job that she was misclassified. And because it was so, it's not easy. If you don't know a lot about doing taxes, um, it's not as easy to do your taxes with a 1099, especially when you see how much you're going to owe on them. So she ended up 
because she saw how much she was going to have to pay, um, just didn't file them. For 13 years, this lady was so afraid to um, deal with it. She had five kids, so if she would have known how to do it, she would have known she would have been getting money back all those years. But she was um, just didn't know enough about the system. And we have a lot of people like that in trucking. They don't understand what it means to get a 1099 handed to you um, when you thought that you were an employee. It makes your tax um, filing so much more complicated. It makes it more expensive to do. You have to know what um, your write-offs are. Um, and and you are going to have to pay some money off the top. But more important and, or equally important is if you go and try and, like what happened to me where I, I had a, a fall a few years ago. Thankfully, at that time, I was an employee. But if I was working for somewhere that was misclassifying me, I would have never got workers' comp. Um, you don't qualify for unemployment. You can't get a loan for a house or a car because your your goal is to expense off as much as you can so you don't have to pay that tax on the top. These are really complex issues that a lot of these entry-level drivers um, don't know how to deal with. So being misclassified that early on in the industry is really sabotage um, from these companies. It's not well, only sabotage, I, because not only are you going to have to pay your taxes, there's portions in there like Social Security and, and several other things. You're going to have to pay the company's portion also. Yes. yes. Now, yes. now, I disagree. Is okay. As someone, as, yeah, as someone who studies law, uh, I spend a lot of time reading case law, reading the codes, law review journals and what she said when she said most people do not understand what a 1099 is you're absolutely right they do not a w-2 a w-4 and a 1099 of any type that don't 1099a 1099x 1099 oid it don't matter they are a class 5 gift and estate tax okay A 1099 alone does not prove you owe a tax. It is not prima facie evidence, and I know that firsthand. My dad is self-employed. He has a a million-dollar-a-year business. He filed a four-year request and sent it to the Atlanta office of the IRS. They sent him back 14,000 documents. And after his discussion with the head lady at the... uh, at the office, the only thing they could say that they had was a 1099. And he said, you know, that does not prove I owe a tax. And she said, you're right. Well, I wish I don't had know. Dennis on tonight. From, yeah, uh, I don't know if that applies. I've done taxes and I've studied law just so that you're aware. Okay. And I do have a degree. So you know what? Okay, and I do know that there's a lot of different levels of 1099, but we're talking about business purposes. You can get a 1099 for gambling winnings, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about a job where you are working for somebody and you are an employee, and a regular employee 
should have their Medicare and their Social Security taken out and paid from the employer, not from the employee. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about one type of 1099. So when I'm saying that these entry-level drivers, I've been an independent contractor way before I was a truck driver. And I've done taxes at H&R Block and for Liberty Tax and for myself for many years, over 20 years. If you've never had to do this before, it is overwhelming, especially if you're not somebody that has learned to keep every receipt, um, expense everything off. But why should you have to if you were an employee and you uh, went and hired on to a job where your understanding was, I'm an employee. I'm going to get a W-2 like I always have my whole life. I'm going to get a refund at the end of the year. I ha- take off my exemptions. I take off my um, my kids, my dependents and stuff. When you get a 1099, all of a sudden you have to file a different form. You have self-employment tax. You have things that you we're not prepared for. It also costs you a lot more if you go to a tax preparer than if you show up with a 1099 instead of a W-2. You're talking about a couple hundred dollars difference to have somebody help you with it. So it's it's not something that you want to make a mistake on, especially when you're a truck driver and you have the per diem that has changed this year hanging in the balance. Uh, well, question, quick question. If you're if you get a 1099, do you still get the 24,000 standard deduction, married deduction, or 12,000 if you're a single? You're still allowed to apply that. Your yeah, your exemptions and your deductions stay the same, but what changed this year was all drivers got their daily per diem as a Department of Transportation worker. Company drivers no longer get that. Only owner-operators. But there's the gray area is, what if you're a misclassified owner-operator? That's, mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, if you're somebody that, um, I mean, I don't know how the IRS is going to be able to tell if you've got a 1099. Uh, okay. But that's well, something Dominic, that the, the company drivers really, really lost out on this year with this new tax law. Oh, they sure did. I, well, especially the single ones. Um, married, you know, not so bad, 24000 standard. But um, single drivers now having a $12,000 standard deduction and still not being able to claim premium, um, you know, that, that's awful. I mean, because your standard deductions, you know, in addition to premium, could be easily 20000 a year. So, Dominic, you had a 1099 when you were working for Prime? Yes. Okay. Hey, listen, um, I want to hear more. We're going to take a break, uh, listen to a commercial, and we'll be right back. Every time I find something, every time I see something I think is is just a really good thing, really good for drivers that can help drivers uh, make more money, make their lives easier, you know, whatever the case is be, we, you know, I, I... I think I've had a pretty good record of uh, uh, sharing those things with everybody that has proven to always be always be pretty much right on. And uh, there's something there's something I came across, and I I've been watching it for a long time, dealing with them, talking, 
and I want to I want to share that with you owner operators specifically. I, I want to tell you about a, a new way to find good paying loads, or I should say, a new way for those good paying loads to find you. And it, it's called Zyper, and uh, it's it's spelled X Y double P E R Zyper. So. Uh, so what is Zyper? I really like this thing. I want I want to get this out to everyone. Zyper combines a massive load board with a virtual dispatch system. And and owner operators, we we all know the feeling of too often being frustrated, waiting at a truck stop for loads, or accepting cheap freight just not to drive back empty. But you really don't have to. There's a Zyper app, and it's not just a load board. It's a virtual dispatch system which finds you custom loads and send them directly to your phone. And after you download and set up the Zyper app, shippers will know your exact location, your route, your destination, your equipment, and available capacity, and they will send you an available load matching your criteria, the criteria that you set in. So you can accept it or you cannot accept it. It's totally up to you. And Zyper, it intuitively knows when you are available. Zyper notifies you instantaneously directly to your phone and you can even maximize each route with multiple loads. So drivers, I, I want to invite you to take the Zyper challenge. Think about it. Would it be great to not have to always search for new loads but instead be notified directly and immediately when custom loads designed for you are available? And not only that, would it be even better if you had all the paperwork done for you? Zyper actually sends loads offers to the drivers, automatically generating documents such as order confirmation, bill of lading, signature capture, proof of delivery, and invoices the shipper immediately after shipment is made. And in, in addition to all this, Zyper offers the ability for shippers to track their shipment live while in transit. And these are the same duties a dispatcher would offer, except Zyper performs all of this in a virtual system and it's only uh, $25 a month. And so go ahead, lock in at the $25 a month. You know, there's similar apps out there with less features that are going for 10 times that price, $25 a month or $250 a month. It's pretty much a no-brainer. A no lock it in at $25 a month. Go ahead and take the Zyper Challenge, and you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Right now, there's a free trial available, so go to Zyper.com, that's X-Y-P-P-E-R.com, and it's definitely a win-win for any owner-operator trying to maximize profits. Another thing I like to try to pass on, and uh, just trust me on this, check it out, and I know you will uh, be glad you did. Okay, that was Alan, and... um you know, he's talking about the Zyper app, and I know uh, quite a few of you are using that. But anyway, getting back to the show, and here we're talking about the Supreme Court uh, case, the ruling which exempts independent contractors uh, from uh, forced arbitration. And my co-host tonight is Desiree, Desiree Wood and Jennifer uh, Bennett, the attorney who gave the oral uh, argument the Supreme Court. She was on earlier. You could always listen to the replay. She had a lot of uh, great information uh, in the beginning of the show, but she had to leave. She was pressed for time. And we still have the trucker involved in the case, um, Dominic Oliveira. So um, if you just jumped on, and that's where we're at. Um, 
anyway, Dominic, I, I want to ask you, and, and we're going to talk about um, – oh, Desiree, did you have anything you wanted to finish up before I get going? No, no, let's start from the beginning. I know it's very confusing for drivers to know how does this apply to me, uh, what is going on, <laughs> how did this all start, and right. because – Dominic started with one thing and ended up with something else. Now he's going back to, you know, square one to start where he um, finished what he started in the beginning. And I don't know how much he can talk about it, but if we can break it down for people to understand, it might help them know um, how it could help them. Well, basically, the Supreme Court hearing didn't, didn't decide his misclassification, it just said you're no longer bound to these secret little arbitration um, discussions, and this can all come out open through the courts because originally when he applied for um, violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act and uh, not earning you know, his fair wage, and feeling he was misclassified, being classified, uh, labeled as an independent contractor. He lost all, all kinds of uh, benefits while, while that happens. I mean, you, you let me see, I, I have a list here of what you lose when you're not an employee. Um, minimum wage, unemployment insurance, workman's comp, lower tax revenues for government and uneven playing field for employers who properly classify their workers. Um, Let's see. see, I'm reading off of the U.S. Department of Labor right now, in case you're wondering. Um, Although independent contracting relationships can be advantageous for workers and businesses, some employees may be intentionally misclassified as a means to cut costs and avoid compliance with labor laws. And that's exactly what goes on in the industry. So you classify somebody something, you get them to pay um, pay all, you, all the expenses and bills, and then you don't have to pay them enough money. And that's really it in a nutshell. And um, what what made you uh, move on with Prime? Had you done, you know, did they seem like they were the best company out there? Uh, they offered a free CDL, uh, apprentice program. What what was the hook that got you? Dominic? Well, I did a lot of research, actually. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. Uh, my parents will because I was at their house when I was researching the company after company. I just I didn't have the money to right. pay for uh, pay for CDL schooling. I, I didn't have the money to come out of pocket for it, and I wanted my Class A. So I researched companies, Swift, CRST, Prime, CR England. I, I, I would literally stop in uh, different parking lots and ask drivers about the company uh-huh. to, to find this out more information. Common very common that people want to enter this industry and they have to go the company sponsored training route. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, you can't get anything without that little bit of experience and jumping into this industry, unless it's a bigger carrier, it's, it's 
or you had the money to go to, say, um, uh, where I'm from, it's Nats. If you had the money to go there, you'd be able to find a, a job. But if you're just trying to to get your CDL, you're not really going to get hired. Because if you read a lot of, like, um, oh, like, job listings, it will say, well, you have to have X, Y, and Z experience first. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you get that X, Y, and Z experience without, you know, without doing the driving and being with the company? How do I get with the company? So after all my research, it was I needed to find a company that would sponsor my uh, sponsor my license. Okay, so, and, and they seem pretty good. Yeah, from from all my research I did at the time, you know, you do see you do see some negative comments, and I get that. Uh, you you try to outweigh, you try to put it, you know, you try to write it down the negative to the pros, you know, ne- pros to the cons, and see which one outweighs and. At the time, Prime seemed to outweigh. Their training okay. program seemed to be the best. Mm-hmm. Well, after after you um, did their um, apprenticeship, which was uh, about, what, 10,000 miles? Then you went into... 10,000 miles. Go ahead. Uh, 10,000 miles to get my... To, to, you know, go and take the test. For my CDL. Okay. And then you took your test, and then you became um, a driver in training, correct? You did another 30,000 miles with that? Correct. Okay. And then the day came when you were at 14. At 14 cents a mile. Right. For 30,000 miles. That's, what, about six months? 30,000 miles? It depends on what they've got you months, doing. It, it, yeah, yeah, it's between four to six months for most uh, for a lot of people. Okay. Can I ask you a question? From the day one, when you did the ten thousand miles um, mm-hmm. before you did your test, are you just on their property, or are you running with a trainer? Are you pulling actual okay, freight? That's, that that's a good question actually. Um so some guys actually went out with another driver for for their 10,000 with their permit hauling freight. Mm-hmm. Um me I ended up with a guy that did a regional run and ended up back at the hotel every night. Mhm. Okay. Um hauling freight though. I was making local grocery store deliveries. Okay. So you're working from day one. You're pulling actual freight that they're making money on because they're yep. delivering goods. Okay. Yeah. So you're student student labor for them. Are you getting yes. any kind of pay? No, actually, um, they do. They most companies don't pay you. Um, with this one, it was a two hundred dollar advance every week that you had to pay back. But you had to pay back. But you yes. had to okay. You got to pay it back. So, eventually, that starts getting taken out of your pay when you are going to get a check. All right. Correct. And plus the tuition. Is there like a dollar amount on that? Uh, tuition, I think. I think it's around anywhere from forty-five to I've seen as high as six thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a wash with one year of service. <laughs> Okay. 
Um, and that's what that's what wrote me in was, oh, if I could stay for a one year, I could get my license and not have to pay for schooling. Who mm-hmm. wants to pay when you 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 can you could you know work make money and you know have that time taken care of. Mm-hmm. I mean right. that's extra that's extra money for food, family, whatever you've got going on in your life. Mhm. And okay. And, and then came the the day of reckoning. So you're no longer a driver yeah. train uh a driver trainee and you make the decision. They ask you, do you want to be an owner operator um or an independent contractor or would you rather be an employee driver. Is that how it went? It you pretty much you're back into the uh uh you're back into um the, the cattle pen. You know, you're you're getting shuffled. Uh you're going to go company, you're going to go lease. You're going to go company, you're going to go lease. It was I was uh being told constantly you're going to make no money as a as a company guy. You you got to go lease. That's the only way you're going to make money here. If you don't if you don't go lease, you, you you're not going to be able to feed yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you were offered this contract, which um, I'm assuming you could take home and have a lawyer look at, right? No. No, <laughs> couldn't leave their property with it. <laughs> you couldn't leave their property okay. with the contract. And, and, and I said that yep. on purpose because many mm-hmm. people Alan has spoken to uh, in the past, have said the same thing. They weren't allowed to take the lease yeah. home, and right. that's a mm-hmm. red flag. Okay. It is. And, and the other thing they like. The other thing they like to do is press you, while you've got it in your hands. Oh, we've already got a load for you. You gotta get. You gotta get this signed mm-hmm. off. You gotta go. You yeah. gotta go. You, this, this load's on the art. It's waiting for you. Mhm. That pressure makes you stumble while reading sometimes, especially if you're you're not used to what's going on in this industry, their structure of doing things. Mm-hmm. Okay. The sense of and, urgency. Uh, yeah. And uh, how many months did you stick it out? Over a year? Oh, it was, it was a bit over a year. Okay. From 2000. 13 to uh, about September of 2014. At what point okay. did you become a trainer? Uh, I was about six. Let me let me count this out. Uh, September, October, November, about six months. Did they present that to in. you, or did you? Say, God, I'm gonna make more money, or I, I, I went to. What do I gotta to do to make more money? Because money was just a little bit okay at first, but then it just kind of dropped off. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so loads seem to get lower. Can, yeah. Can I ask a Can I ask a question? When sure, you needed to make more money, and they offered, say, okay, be a trainer. Was there, quote, unquote, a training program for you to be a trainer, or did they just give you somebody to ride in the truck with you and tell them training? 
No, you had to go. I think it, I think it was a day course, a day or two course. Don't quote me on it. Uh, it's been many years oh, now. But it, I, you had to go. You had to go back to their terminal and go through, go through a course, retake the Smith system, uh, things like that. Um, to be honest, it, it wasn't anything you already didn't know. <laughs> Well, well, what surprises me, you had... Believe it or driving. not. Go ahead, Idella. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no Idella. I, I think it's important that that if you're going to be a trainer, that one day and telling you stuff you already know is not is not the, the deal. Trainers need to be trained. They need to know what they can do, what they can't do, what's legal, what isn't legal, uh, sexual mm-hmm. harassment, uh, all the ins and outs, and, and you can't do that in a day. So there you go, right, right there. They, how can you be a trainer without having the courses? I I I, I object. Well, let's say yeah. it like this for uh, legal purposes, Idella. Let's say it was in between a day to three. <laughs> a day yeah. to three. Still, uh, for cla- in, still, in, cl- in a classroom, though. Yeah, still yeah. totally, and completely still, even inefficient. If, even if you were going to be promoted from a McDonald's um, line person to a McDonald's manager, you would go through some sort of a training program to have elevated um, experience on procedures to, you know, handle being the boss of somebody or um, different kinds of situations that could come up that you would be put into. So that's kind Correct. of that. That's kind of the point. Is is just um, they don't not taking it very seriously. And and obviously, what you said that the money was pretty good in the beginning, but then it kind of drops off. But in hindsight, when you see how many people, it kind of was pretty good in the beginning, and then it drops off. If you started making a chart of the what month that was, you would see a pattern emerge that it wasn't a coincidence. It was a business model. Yes. Because the next step is, it's a setup to get you to come and ask that question. How do I make more money? Oh, well, we we always need trainers. Uh Yeah, and it's a setup for failure. It's like any job. You, you, You see you're not making enough Say you need overtime. What are you going to do? Go to your boss and ask for overtime. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. Go and ask how well, can I how can I get more miles? How can I get more money? And mm-hmm. during that time you were training, you um, you were the one responsible for paying the student. Is that correct? <clears throat> yes. Yes. The actual student's money comes out of uh, the trainer's uh, settlement. Okay. That's mind-boggling. That's absolutely mind-boggling. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. so, so when so you were saying talking telling us about a, a student you had that worked real hard. He was a good good student, good driver, and you felt like he deserved more more money than what they were giving him, which was what was it like twenty five cents a mile or something like fourteen cents a mile. Fourteen cents a mile, and you thought that he should get a little bit more and. Tell us about that. Uh, no, that that you you would go and ask them if we could give them more, and they would tell you, no, you're gonna lo- you're gonna be the one losing. We can't do that. We can't allow that. Why don't you go? Ma- if you want to do it, why don't you go make a side deal with them? 
but and get their social security number so you can 1099 them. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, what, what? I don't know if anybody else is shocked, but you yourself were only driving a few months. How long were you driving before you became a trainer? About six months. Okay. Six months in my own so, truck, so seven months probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything less than seven, a year months. to me is, you know, you're you're new yourself. and uh, Personally, that, anything under part. five years, I think, yeah. should not be allowed to train another driver. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm the, at six uh, years now, driving. and I still consider myself a floor man. Mm-hmm. A lot of drivers in those first couple of years, it takes them five years to realize they were wrong to accept a trainer position in their first year. Because yeah. the way that the the companies um, cultivate them and indoctrinate them makes them feel like they are um, superheroes, they're exceptional, yeah. and um, they're standouts above the rest. And they really need them in their training program when actually they just need another body in their training program and they're taking a lot of chances with people's lives. Um, and it, it, it's, it, they get kind of blinded by the ego stroke. But in a few years later, in hindsight, when they reflect on it, they're like, that was really a dumb um, decision. You don't realize the stress. <laughs> Yeah. You don't realize well, you know, the extra they, stress you're you're going through. Yeah. You're about to go through must, when you're do when you go to do it. Mm-hmm. That must have been horrible. But you know, the company again is shifting liability out of mm-hmm. their realm to somebody else's realm. So if something happens, oh, that's not our responsibility. And they're shifting liabil- liability and financial responsibility mm-hmm. onto somebody yep, that shouldn't be, also- shouldn't be there. You're also paying the, their uh, that student's workman's compensation. But what else, you tell us, what, else, what else are you paying while you're the um, independent contractor? On you're paying, you're paying your your lease, the insurance. What else did you pay? The, the registrations, pretty much anything that has to do with that truck, repairs, um, everything. Do you have to pay every for the place? Yes, you have to pay for the uh, the base plates, the bobtail insurance, but, everything. But it, but it's not. But the base plates are not in your name, right? No, it's in Prime's name. Correct. No. And I don't know about anybody else, but anybody else that's been down that route could probably tell you. They'll tell you you can go get your own insurance and stuff. You don't have to go through them. But try walking in there and asking them for all the information to be able to take to an insurance company and see what they have to say. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Unbelievable. I just yeah. So I just, I, 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 mind-boggling. So finally, so, um, I guess after a year, you you kind of realize that, hey, I'm not making any money. Um, I mean. <sighs> And then you quit. You, you, what did you do? You just gave the truck back, or what, what was that? Um, like? a little more of that story. Um, I was living in Maine on a buddy's couch, and uh, I was supposed to be on a vacation, and 
he called me saying my phone kept going off because I had a I had my my work phone and then I had my personal phone. Um, one was a prepaid just for like you know when I was at home, and the other one was my regular phone line for like work and things like that. And um, he said, dude, this phone keeps going off. It's driving me nuts. I said, well, here's the password. Open it up. It was uh, the dispatchers telling me I needed to get back to work. <laughs> I need to get back in that truck and drive. You've Even though you're an owner-operator? Yep, that was one of the things I said back. <laughs> and I got you. <laughs> no, you work for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, really? Okay. Um, then I was told, well, maybe I shouldn't be working, uh, working for you guys. Well, are you guys paying for my vacation? Well, no. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, I said, I think, I think we know how this is going, and I think we should be uh, done here. And they told me I better have that truck back by 7 a.m. So I had to go mm-hmm. from Maine to – I had to have it cleaned out, which we all know how long it takes to clean a truck out after <laughs> you've had it for a while. Um, I had to go from uh, – out the middle of Maine to Pittston, PA by 7 o'clock in the morning, and here it was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. I made it right at 7 o'clock. <laughs> and but then it, they, that was the end of it? That, that was about the end of it. I took a bus back home, but I went to another company, and... Uh, Here's what a lot of companies do that, you know, it goes around in the industry as, you know, they might do this to you. They might not. They do do it to you. Uh, I went to another company, and uh, I was told I couldn't be hired because Prime had put on my DAC report that I had abandoned my truck. Mm-hmm. I sat there. Mm-hmm. I looked at the company, and I pulled out my lease con- uh, cancellation mm-hmm. paperwork. And they looked at it and said, oh, you might want to get on the phone with somebody and uh, get this squared away then. Well, of yeah, course, a lot of us do that. Away. How many times have we they, heard this story where people turn in mm-hmm. and, oh, and then they get? I mean, this is like such a. It's, and it's not just for the people like Dominic, it's for just plain straight out company drivers. Right. Yeah. They return yes. the truck and then they get caught with, with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they co- that they collude with each other is is the most disgusting thing, you know. That they just, you know, they a help lot of each people other don't realize hurt. though, you can fight your DAC. What a company puts on your DAC, you can fight that mm-hmm. with DAC. Mm-hmm. Um, you can actually fight to have DAC and, uh, take it off your report, as long as you have the information to support it. Mm-hmm. But I actually ended up uh, going back to them as a company driver. Uh, I, went to, I went to two companies, and it wasn't. Uh, it was even worse. <laughs> it was even mm-hmm. worse. I, I, I got smart in there. Uh, I got smart in orientation, and was like, "Yeah, I'm not that dumb this time." I went back as a company driver. Mm-hmm. And well. I actually made even less. <laughs> And how was that? Um, I know I can attest to the things he's saying, too. I've been driving for 16 years, 
and I did a lease purchase and lost my hind end in 08. And I had no intentions of ever doing it again. But the company I'm with now, they are a dream. I got a 2015. I paid 355 a week, and they take care of us. Well, where I'm at now, I'm They're company, rare. and I do very, very well. Very well. But kind of an odd situation I'm into <laughs> as a company driver for one company but I'm dispatched by a broker mm-hmm. so how does someone contact you Dominic or is that possible well, it is possible um, I can be contacted by my, uh, by, through my email address or uh, also on you can contact me through Twitter um if anybody wants my uh, or Facebook or Facebook, um, I don't like a lot of people going uh, being on my Facebook. We all have to have some kind of small amount of privacy we can grab onto. Um, Facebook's kind of my fa- my family and close friends. Um, but Twitter and my email address, I people all day long can uh, shoot me emails, and as I still drive. So everybody's got to, uh, you know, work with me about when I get back. It's not going to be an instant thing sometimes. But if anyone wants that uh, email address, it's uh, Harleys, like Harley Davidson's, and Skulls85 at gmail.com. Or at Twitter. Uh-huh. Or my Twitter is at Dominic, and then O-L-I-V-E-I-R-6. Let's see. At Dominic. What was that again? Dominic, O-L-I-V-E. I R six. And let me clarify uh, something I had just said. Um, When I said I made less, it was what I was going to make at the other companies I had gone to before I ran back as a company employee at Prime. Hey, Dominic, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. I I had to get on my cell phone because uh, my other phone ran out of juice, so I just want to make sure everybody can hear me. Yeah. Desiree, you can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. But I wanted to ask Dominic. So you went back to Prime as a company driver after you found that these other two companies were worse. And you were there for a while. Um, And and is it when you left there as a company driver that you... They didn't give you your last paycheck or... How did Um, that... 
Oh, re- re- repeat that? When you went there as, to Prime as a company driver, right. after going to the other two companies that, that you found out were worse, how long did you stay there, or or what was it? I don't even know if you could talk about this. At what point, when you left there, is that you weren't going to get that you went and started the lawsuit for the misclassification? I I I wasn't making almost anything. I actually I was I could. Uh, it was so bad that, you know, I was doing one of those things you do your friend, hey, uh, I only give you this, and then maybe next week I give you the other half kind of a thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I made a decision to uh, go back to the moving industry. And um, I, went to get, I went to get a last paycheck, and it wasn't there. And that's when I finally uh, made a phone call to an attorney to find out, you know, what was going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. You and know what I want to get to? That's when I looked up with Andy. You started your uh, lawsuit um, in 2015. And um, now with this FAA arbitration in your favor where you don't have to, you know, uh, go through arbitration, you won, which is like set precedent. Um, right. You're, you can now go back to your original lawsuit and claim Correct. your misclassification. And people wonder, well, why do you want to do that? You know, well, the whole purpose of winning, and this is the thoughts that need to be connected. The whole purpose of winning the um, the exemption from the FAA was so you can go to court. And and now go through with the lawsuit of misclassification and um, wages owed. And, and is that correct to say? Yes. Yes, that's okay. correct. And, and and that's what you know. We want the listeners to understand why this is so important. Because prior to this, you couldn't do that. I mean, you could. You could go to court, and then they'd throw it out and say, "No, you have to go through arbitration." But Which is kind of a blow-off to a lot of drivers. And that's why it? it's kind of a blow-off to a lot of drivers where, you know, they, you know, yeah, it could work, like the other caller said, it could work out for some people. But it's been, for a company like Prime, a way to blow people off and say, I'm going to sue you for back wages. And they're like, yeah, get in line with the other thousand people that say that to us. And then you actually go and find a lawyer, which is hard to do, that will take a case against a major trucking company. That's hard to do just by itself. And then to have a law firm that understands who they're going to be going up against. It's very difficult to get lawyers to stick with it. So You know what? Uh, on that point, Desiree, mm-hmm. I, I would like to say how wonderful Andy Schmidt is to work with. Uh, he, everybody, everybody, you know, needs money. Okay, we all can agree that. But mm-hmm. he is a principles type person, and he doesn't mm-hmm. like to back down. 
He does not like to back down when he feels that, you know, someone was wrongfully done. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that's that, one that, of well, that best reminds teachers. Me, if there's people listening and they feel they're in a, um, a situation um, where, you know, hey, I was misclassified. Hey, I was screwed out of money. Uh, what do I do? Um, you know, you can send us an email and, and with your name and um, we'll try to hook you up with somebody reputable and um, – or Desiree, the same thing. You can you can either email info at truthabouttrucking.com. That's I-N-F-O at truthabouttrucking.com. Or Desiree, they can email you, right? Realwomenintrucking at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And just put in the subject yeah. line, misclassification. And... Um, uh, and and you know we'll try to to help you because a lot of drivers don't move forward because they don't have uh, they don't know who to turn to. A lot of the lawyers on the internet are actually um, ATA lawyers, you know, carrier lawyers. So mm-hmm. um, you know that's that's not uh, an ideal situation. Finding a good and, lawyer like Andy, that's the that's the ticket. Somebody that cares about justice somebody that's not just trying to look for a quick settlement um, because there's a bigger picture here. So what I was trying to say is the companies, by having this arbitration clause and all these contracts, they let you get this far. You go get the lawyer. You get the lawyer to file the papers. You get the lawyer to serve the company to say, we're going to go after you for this. We want, you know, this back pay for this. They say, Oh, didn't you read this paragraph in your contract? It has to go to forced arbitration, in which, you know, it's a it's a setback. It's a it's an obstacle. So, having this Supreme Court thing, it took them down. They they've been so arrogant that they've blown off so many drivers over the years with this. Where drivers say, you know what, I got to get back to work. I don't have time for all of this. I'm not mm-hmm. going to pursue it any further. This is overwhelming. I don't even know what arbitration means. Um, so that's a really good uh, way that these companies have been able to blow these drivers off for a real long time to get them to just go away. And so to have the Supreme Court judgment say, no, you don't have, you don't have to be enforced arbitration. And the fact that this paragraph has been in so many contracts for so long and nobody's ever pushed the envelope like Dominic and and his lawyer and you know taking it a step further to locate public justice and and Jen, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's awesome. Uh, I want people to understand that I uh, I did a lot of research myself, and there was many nights me and Andy were exchanging information back and forth at you know 11, 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, there was a lot of information exchanges with with digging into history and everything else, and it's it's time consuming. It was very time consuming. Well, it was definitely worth it, and I know a lot of people, even though they don't realize it now, um, will benefit from it. 
And um, so when are you going? When are you going back to court? What, do you have a court date set moving forward? Uh, I have. I at that, this point, um, there's nothing that I know about. If there is something, I haven't been told yet. Um, okay. I think right now they're letting the whole uh, the arbitration thing soak in, but um, it, it may take a little bit to get back into the dockets, but it's going back. <laughs> That's the most important part. Hey, we have a few minutes left, and I noticed a few people jumped on um, on on the um, on the call in line. If you have a question uh, for for Dominic. <clears throat> Just click one on your keypad, or if you're just listening, that's fine too. But um, this way, when you click one on your keypad, it, it raises your hand so I could know that you want to ask a question. And uh, anyway, so <clears throat> um, Desiree, um, I can't think of anything else, you know, any more questions. Um, I hope I'm not overlooking something. To just to make sure that drivers understand, you know, what this all means, and um, how they can benefit from this from this decision. So I think we've we've pretty much covered it. Uh, I I think we have, but I think it's a very complicated issue for a lot of drivers, and I I I do want them to share it with their fellow drivers that are over the road drivers that are in lease programs that are not going well for them um where it's a it's a business model like these big fleets that we see um where the model is get an inexperienced driver that doesn't know anything about anything and get them in these trucks and then they're in and they're out of the system and they've got just every trick up their sleeve to set you up to fail. That's really what Dominic went after. So um, a lot of the media that we've seen, um, yet, as I said earlier, does talk about the port drivers, but I think that really takes away because I think when, when over-the-road drivers, entry-level uh, carrier um, drivers read about port drivers or owner operators um, that have their own authority. You can't really relate your situation to theirs. This case pertains to entry level drivers, new trainees who've gotten into these companies where they were learning, they were apprentices. They were company-sponsored training, and they were fed into these lease truck programs and found out within five or six months that they were working all the time to pay for the truck and not taking home a paycheck. And they were involved, got themselves involved in a scheme. And that is the ones that need to read into this case and see how they can um, do something to um, get themselves out of the situation because you do get blackballed. You do get these things on your record that you abandon. Um, you get all these uh, charge-offs uh, charge that, that take your last paycheck or settlement that you thought that you were entitled to. And that's kind of how they screw you, and they keep doing it. Um, and that's really the most important thing that we want people to understand. This might pertain to you, and it might pertain to people that you know. Right. Blackballing well, is so big in our industry. 
mm-hmm. I mean, that that it's ridiculous the amount of people I've uh, met over the years that were blackballed. Yeah. I've talked to, I, you know, they, they put this on my DAC report, and I can't get a company to hire me. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's like, you know, the most common thing to do. I mean, it's it, it's so horrifying, all the things that go on. Um, I have another caller. We have a few minutes left, but I want to I wanna open the line. Area code 940, who do we have here? This is Pat Hockaday. Oh, is that Pat? How are, How are you, tonight? Pat? Yeah, it's me. I, this is my private phone here, so don't give this number Yeah, out. I didn't recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just grabbed the phone when I realized I, I was late, late, late. Um, you know, a lot of drivers have the attitude, well, they're stupid. They should have known what they were getting into. Uh, they signed right. the contract. You know, they, they, they've got this attitude. And they don't realize that they, the drivers that make these comments, are victims of the crime, the crime that's being committed. There's injury here. There's injury to every independent, every owner-operator, every company driver when these carriers get by with these illegal scams, and that's all they are. Whether it's paying the employee drivers illegally or these lease purchase scams, okay, it creates an unfair um, advantage for these carriers that do this crap. How can an employee driver try and get more pay when he has to compete against a lease purchase driver who's making nothing? Remember... These people smile at you and say, oh, we respect you, have a good day, oh, we appreciate you, oh, here's a birthday card. You know, they lie, they do all this crap because that saves them thousands in having to pay a fair and decent wage. Oh, I like well, my company. Geez. They sent my wife a birthday card. They respect me. They don't. Fifty cents is a whole lot cheaper once or twice a year for a card than it is paying a fair and decent wage fitting the job. Right, and and you know when you when you're paying drivers, uh, they're moving freight at such cheap rates, whether it's a company driver or a independent contractor who's leased on. You're keeping those rates down, and it affects the owner operators uh their ability to earn more because the freight freight is low it's it's just a a big catch 22 domino effect uh going on in the industry <clears throat> so hopefully this is going to help uh alleviate that in some way when enough people catch on that that they they don't have to be exploited anymore and enough people, uh, you know, can can hear about this. But you know, uh, on the other side of that, I'm I'm wondering, uh, can they still get away with putting that arbitration clause in there, hoping that the person signing in doesn't realize that they're not bound to it? Yeah, we've got to remember right? that a lease driver 
has to do the job cheaper than the company driver, or the company would not need them, period. Right. So well, they're getting if all you their can't pay- make money as a company driver, how are you going to make money as a lease driver? You know, it's just plain, Guys, that's plain, remember. simple, and easy. Guys, let's just remember, all these lease, leases, these purchases, all that stuff, most of the time, am I right that you're seeing – Oh, it's a it's a dollar you know we'll guarantee you at least a dollar or something a mile, right? That freight's real low. I'm a company driver, and I want to say my my cent per mile is around three dollars and sixty four to three ninety four a mile. Yeah. How can you make a truck work at a dollar, dollar two, even dollar fifty? How can you make that truck work? How can you not you end up losing? I'll tell you how. I, t- I did it, okay? You, you, you freeze to death in the wintertime. You burn up in the summertime because you don't idle that truck. You never go home. You eat rice and beans, and you save every penny. But if you've got a wife right. and kids at home, they ain't enough for all of that. Okay? No. Correct. There's not enough for all of that. Plus, you forfeit the company insurance. You forfeit the Social Security. You forfeit all the benefits, and you save and scrimp every penny you can so that you have a down payment on a truck so you can get out of that rat trap. And then when you buy a truck like I did and you lease on with the carrier, you know what? You're still a glorified employee. You still have to follow orders. Everybody says, oh, I got the freedom, da-da-da-da. Really? It all depends on the carrier you're working for now, doesn't it? You know, because they can yeah. starve you out, all right? Um, I'm an employee driver. I've got the title to my truck, okay? It's that plain, simple, and easy. I don't want to be an employee driver because the employee drivers don't make enough money. As in my situation, I do better than, you know, Dominic makes more money than I do. We were talking about that a month or two ago, actually. Dominic is a company driver is doing better than I am. But, but you know, that's okay. That's okay. Um, we all are striving to make a living. And here's the best example I can give. We do not want our Mexicans from our neighbors from south of the border coming up here because we know their standard of living is so low they can work for extremely cheap. We don't want that, and we fought to keep it from happening. But we stand back and we allow our American brother and sister drivers to be exploited, to be ripped off, and to be paid very poorly not realizing we have to compete against our brothers and sisters. When they make nothing, we make next to nothing. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, guys, time is running out at, um, uh, for the show. I've got five minutes, and I've got to do a closing. Uh, I want to thank everybody, uh, callers. Desiree, thanks so much for helping uh, co-host this show tonight. Um, her website is mm-hmm. realwomenintrucking.org. And um, 
there's a lot of great information on that site. Our website, our main website is askthetrucker.com. And there's a great feature article up there. If you go to askthetrucker.com, it'll tell you all the details about this case with links to other places to get more information. Um, all our callers and listeners, there was a ton of you tonight. And I want to thank you so much. I appreciate you listening. And we'll have the replay up uh, because some of you jumped on like halfway through. And if you want to hear early on in the show, um, I will have a replay up for you. And uh, Desiree, do you have any closing thing you want to say before we uh, we we shut this down? No, I just thank you for having me and um Thank you, Dominic, for everything that you've done and stuck your neck out for all these drivers. And we just all got to do our best now to make sure we we educate drivers and hope they understand their rights and and start learning how to stick up for themselves. Okay, and this is for Dominic. I just love doing that every show. (laughs) Very obnoxious. I know it is. I know it is. That's why I do it. Okay, everybody. Well, we appreciate you all coming on tonight and listening and Dominic and Desiree and Let's see who called in tonight. I can't remember everybody's name, but we appreciate you calling calling in. So um, till next time, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening.